One day, I think someone should do a compilation of all the times that I've said I'm recording. <laughs> It's just like a five hour podcast of me <laughs> saying I'm recording. I'm sorry to break this to you, but that part is not actually on the show. I know it's not on the show, but you know, it's exclusive content for our members. <laughs> Only the true fans. They can do the, uh, like, and we're live. Also. And, 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 uh, uh, and, and, and we're live. Live, 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 you know? <laughs> We could just do remix. It's the DJ Khaled remix. <laughs> Another one podcast. <laughs> do you, we, we hung out not that long ago. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we pre-announced it on the show. That was going to happen. It did happen. It happened. The last day possible, really. But we met. We hung out. We had dinner. Yeah, and as always, Rafa was the MVP working around, <laughs> working around my schedule uh, to make it happen. So really appreciate it. I mean, no, not really. No, that's fine. You were busy. You were like traveling. I wasn't really. We were like all over the place. <laughs> yeah, literally. You did not stop. <laughs> But that's cool. Did you enjoy the trip? Coming back to that little corner of Europe? It was great. So if anyone hasn't listened to the past episode, so um, me and my partner went to Portugal. Um, we also did a brief, like a couple days in Madrid. We actually saw a concert there, which was really nice. And Portugal, I mean, as always, just so beautiful, so nice. I mean, we're coming over from Montreal, right, where it's getting cold. <laughs> these days and so portugal was like oh great we're back in summertime and we went to the beach and we did some kayaking and uh, all sorts of activities and it was just, it was just great so yeah really enjoyed it it was too short as always whenever i take vacations i'm like why don't i do this more often <laughs> but uh it was great uh we really loved it and uh we came back we're exhausted Uh, we need another vacation, and so <laughs> I think I think that was uh, you know what qualifies as a, as a successful vacation overall. Meanwhile, I am sick of Portugal, <laughs> but I am forced to to go. <laughs> Can't believe it. Yeah, but it's it's funny. I, I was thinking that like we've known each other for like I think seven years or something like that. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, between ten and five years, and. Uh, We've met a couple times, like a handful of times already, mm -hmm. uh, but we never like traveled anywhere with the purpose of meeting. Like, I never flew anywhere to meet you, and you never mm -hmm. did the same. Well, I went to Portugal to see you <laughs> the first time. Was it to see me, or you were like, I'm going to go on a trip, and I'll go to Portugal? It, it was like, I want to go on a trip somewhere, and I was like, where should I go? And I was like, oh, I'll just I'll go see Rafa. Okay, that's fair enough. That's okay. <laughs> so it's your turn now. Well, if we exclude that one trip. <laughs> I wanna, that, oh, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, I wish I haven't been to Toronto yet because then I would have the whole, like, I want to go to Canada. I want to visit Canada. <laughs> because of that, I think it just delayed my trip to Montreal because, well, right. you know, I've been to Canada. You're like, I've seen it. It's fine. <laughs> That's, that's all right. Fine. That's all right. No, but but I do I do I do want to for real. I think well, it's very easy for me to say this from where I'm at right now, but I would say that if it wasn't for COVID, for sure I would have been to Montreal by now. So, one day, one day, I hope it happens, and if it does, we're going to put together the best itinerary for you. 
on all the things that you need to do. <laughs> I don't expect uh, anything else. The point I was trying to, to get to was that it, it's interesting to see how two people living in very different places in the world still manage to like find themselves in the same spot. Yes. Like a handful of times. Isn't that crazy? And I know that like we have a lot of overlap in terms of interests and destinations or whatever, but still, I think it was interesting. Yeah. Like we met, you know, in San Francisco a couple of times and in Amsterdam this one time for a conference and it was, yeah, love to see it. Yeah, no, it's great. It's always such a joy to see you in person. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Every time I tell the story, people think it's crazy. <laughs> people just don't understand like how you can develop a friendship, mostly online. But I think it's it's very doable. But it's always so good to see you in person and just like hang out. And, it's, you know, it's like seeing one, one of my best friends. So yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> Likewise. It's always so special. I think, you know, yeah, also because we don't see each other that often. Yeah. When we do special yeah it's nice we had ice cream it was uh, it was great it was great it's pretty good and we found a like a nut-free uh ice cream spot yes we did it it's like yeah it was really nice uh, meeting your partner yeah finally so it's good the more i travel with him the more i i mean he hears this but the more i get worried because like some places are a little tricky about nut allergies and so like I'm always worried about restricting what we can do, but we managed to make it work for Portugal and we got some nut-free ice cream, which is great. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, another thing, you asked me to bring my Leica, so you did also spend some time with it. And uh, we did talk about some stuff that could have been a topic for the show, but whatever. But you, sounds like when we met, you were like, my trip to New York kind of made me convince me that I don't need a camera, like apart from my phone. Maybe this trip is kind of convincing me that I do need slash want a camera. Where are you sitting on this? Yeah, so I'll just tell people. So when I went to Chicago, oh, I, I was just like, because I, I had been thinking like I want a camera because every time I want to record like a video of myself for work or something like that. Not just like a, hey, let me record a little whatever, like, just to get my point across to someone in Slack. But there's times where it's like, hey, there's going to be like a company-wide thing or whatever. Like I want a slightly nicer thing mm. than just me at my desk. So I generally use my old camera. That's like the Olympus OMD EM10 Mark II. I believe a uh, great name for a camera, uh, <laughs> which is a, a micro four thirds. And I have a couple of prime lenses for it. Um, I use that, but it doesn't record like 4k video. It's kind of clunky. Like the way you charge it, like there's no USB C, like it's just getting very old. And yeah. So when I went to Chicago, I've been thinking like, Oh, should I like get a camera and all that? And I tried a friend of ours that has a Sony. God, I forget the name of the Sony. It's like they all mix together in my brain, but I'll try to find it. Uh, I can put it in the show notes if someone's interested, but like Sony has this sort of like cross over camera. That's sort of good at video and sort of good at normal photography, which is kind of what I'd be interested in, to be honest. I'm not going to buy two different cameras <laughs> for my purposes. Like, it's just not going to happen, I don't think. So this seemed like a somewhat decent camera, except, God, it's so heavy. <laughs> like, it's so big. It's so heavy. It made me think of, like, one of those old DSLRs. And so when I went onto the trip, I just brought my iPhone. And every time I thought, would I want to be carrying a giant camera right now? And the answer was always... No, I would not. 
<laughs> like I definitely would not want to be carrying this huge camera around. And uh, then I went to Portugal and, you know, started walking around and we went into like the Sintra area where there's like lots of beautiful things to take pictures of and stuff. And I noticed a couple things with just my iPhone. So one, it's kind of annoying to have to pull out my phone from my pocket every single time I want to take a picture. I felt like, and I'm wear my phone caseless, so I felt like I'm taking this precious object like <laughs> thousand times a day <laughs> to take pictures. And also, I don't know if something's changed. I don't know if it's iPhone 14 thing or it just takes extra long to go from like getting something out of your pocket to like either swiping to get to the camera or like the long press. It's like, and you should try to do it. It's like, it just takes like, it's not a thing that you can do reliably. I find like Mm -hmm. quickly and just like get it done. And I find myself wishing like, I wish I had one of these because I saw a lot of people in Portugal. I guess this is very popular in Portugal. People have like this sort of necklace lanyard thing for their phone that's like a case <laughs> right uh where like you wear your phone around your neck i was like i found myself wishing for something like that like i wish i had a thing where i could just have my phone around my neck all the time so it's always accessible for me to take pictures and then in addition to that i thought okay the battery on my phone is just dying like so quickly and when you look at the battery graphs it was like the Photos app is using like 65% of your battery in the background. Mm. And my phone is burning, like it's so hot. <laughs> and what I sort of realized, and look, this may not be a scientific assessment, but I feel like, and maybe especially the iPhone 14, feel like this phone does a lot of processing after you've taken a picture. So my phone will be like, perfect, will be nice. I will get the camera, take, I don't know, 10, 15 pictures in rapid succession, put my phone in my pocket. Five minutes later, my phone is burning hot. So it's not like the camera being open. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the thing that's getting my phone worked up. It seems to be like there's something that happens after the picture's been taken, that just makes the processor... It's all of those billions of, of operations a second. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the heck's happening. Like, if it's doing that sort of pixel binning, like fusing all the pixels from the 48 megapixels to try to improve the image. And you see, right, when you go into the Photos app, like you take the picture and then you go there and then it like snaps into place like a second or two later it's annoying i wonder if there's some of that that's happening it's just extremely annoying and so for all of these reasons i'm like so what i want is this thing that i can put around my neck (laughs) that doesn't require any power or battery from my phone and also i wouldn't mind the slightly better picture quality for especially for these trips Mm -hmm. it's like yeah you kind of do want a camera so where i previously convinced myself to not that i didn't want to get a camera this trip convinced me that i kind of want to get one for some of these vacations and so it's such a dilemma like i just (laughs) have a hard time I'm dealing with it because I, I'm just so spoiled by just carrying the iPhone because a lot of times the iPhone just takes great pictures in many conditions. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing, taking a picture of a landscape in bright daylight, iPhone's great. If I'm taking a picture at night, the iPhone 
is great and probably better than a lot of cameras to be honest mm-hmm. it's the like mm-hmm. oh but if i want to take like cool portrait style pictures like pictures of people pictures of objects pictures of food pictures of you know all of these things mm-hmm. that's really I, i feel like where you see the biggest difference uh but what the iphone spoiled me with is one portability like i need something that's not incredibly heavy and two I really do enjoy having multiple focal lengths to play with. And so the standard iPhone lens is the normal, like what they would say wide, and they've now renamed it to the main camera. Right. But I actually shoot a ton of my pictures. Like most of the pictures that I like the most, I shoot with the 2X camera mm-hmm. on my iPhone, which is what I like with of this iPhone, that there is actually a 2X camera. But like... I tend to enjoy a slightly closer crop of things than a super wide one. So when I'm thinking about, okay, which cameras should I get? Logically, the camera that I should get is a Leica Q because it's small-ish. It, obviously, the glass on it looks great. Like, it looks different from an iPhone. Already feels... Gorgeous. You know, like there's a basically a filter auto automatically applied for me in there like i wouldn't really have to do much to the images to make them look how i want but there's two downsides one is price i would say definitely uh but then more importantly is the focal length fixed issue fixed focal length and it's like i mean you were quick to point this out and everyone points always points this out no no no, you can you can crop in like you can zoom it's like Mm -hmm. yes but it's not about cropping It's about the background compression. Like, that's the thing yeah. uh, that I think makes things appealing. And I know if I'm saying this, there we're going to have some people say, yeah, but if you do the 2X lens on your iPhone and you like that so much, there's no lens compression there because it's just cro- cropping the middle. I get, I get that. But if I were to get a camera, it's like, look, I'm getting this camera for better image quality. <laughs> it's like, I should get what I want. And so, yeah, so I'm a, in a bit of a tricky spot with all of this like basically if the default focal length of the leica was different maybe would be a better fit for me i'm not sure i don't know i wish this was a interchangeable lens system that i could have this one and like if i wanted to change to something else i could also get something else so yeah that's kind of where i am i mean some people also recommended some fuji cameras as well which might be an option i haven't really looked too much into them so i kind of haven't made any decisions there it's also i find looking for cameras is so difficult like even i find the camera that i want almost doesn't exist or it exists but it has a bunch of i have to compromise on a bunch of other things like even in for example like video well um you can get a camera that's great at taking pictures but then for video you're going to get a lot of rolling shutter (laughs) or you're going to be able to do like sometimes like some of the ones that i saw i was like if you want 60 frames a second or 120 frames a second for slow-mo but it's gonna do a crop into the middle of the image (laughs) Um, because it it doesn't have enough power to essentially process all of the all of the video it's like uh, or you can get a video camera and then that video camera is going to be great for videos but it's going to have very low megapixel count yeah you don't want that because they optimize for like a 4k video and it's like i don't want that either so uh yeah i'm like i don't know i feel like the camera that i want 
I'm not sure exists. And that's fair. And you just came from a trip, so now you have some buffer. You know, you have time. Yeah. It's not like you have a trip next month and you kind of want to get a camera for that. So just just wait, see if the perfect camera comes along. I just want to comment on some of your earlier part of the discussion, like which it happens a lot. We do this a lot of like when you start talking about if we need to buy a camera or whatever. We always end up comparing a camera to an iphone and here's the pros and in you know and cons and the weaknesses of an iphone but also its strong points or whatever i think it's important to just pause take a step back and remember that no one is replacing an iphone with a camera right this discussion is do i want to get a camera alongside my iPhone? yes of course i'll still have my iphone and if i'm in a tricky or a specific a particular situation in where the iPhone would be better, then I'll pull up my iPhone instead of... Thing. Like, I, I was at a wedding uh, a couple weeks ago. I brought my camera, and I took some pictures that I that I love and I think look really good, and I'm glad I brought my camera. But there were also a couple things that I just pulled my iPhone, even with my camera on my chest, like, you know, <laughs> yep. strapped up. Like, no, this is better for iPhone, in particular video. So again, I think that's important. It's like, do you care enough to get a camera to complement your phone. I don't regret getting the camera I did, but also I think the camera, the Q2, the camera we're talking about, is really good for me, like the type of photographer that I am, or that I am not, (laughs) most importantly. Uh, It's really good for me. It's a good fit, but totally get. um, I don't think they'll ever do interchangeable lenses on the Q line, because I think that's what the Q is, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I would love to, but I don't. I'd be surprised if they did with a Q3 or whatever. And then just last thing is like this makes no sense. I don't even know if again this might be a thing that I came up with in my head, and there's no validity to it at all. But in the in the spectrum of camera brands, for some reason, something like a Leica and a, and a Fuji are further from the pictures I take with my phone than a Canon or a Sony. Like It feels like they're closer to iPhone pictures, just, of course, better glass and just better quality and whatever. Like the, There's some kind of like personality or like, you know, or like mood around a Leica photo or a Fuji photo yeah. than a phone. And so, again, if I am getting a camera to complement my iPhone, you know, the, the, those types of cameras, the, it's more in line with my taste than like a sony because sony's are also really good but it's just different i don't know it feels different yeah on the other hand i think sony is maybe more neutral and so maybe you can that's fair figure out your you know editing presets and then just get whatever look you want but i'm yeah i'm not sure yeah that's fair like if i could get a lens for sony that emulates the look of a leica i'd probably do that and hey since we're here talking about cameras i guess this could be a recommendation so bonus recommendation in the, at the top of the show the the folks behind the dark room the the photo editing app they shipped an update a couple of days a weeks ago uh, that now you can share your presets yes you just get a universal link people can download and install the you know other people's presets and the, the their implementation details are really interesting the way it's so you can like just apply it just like any other built-in presets filters it's not just a filter it's like presets so but then the person who shared that person can also stop sharing the presets mm, interesting right which is interesting like cancel i don't know if it removes it from other people's phones i don't think it does like that that whole process it's like the little edge cases and stuff that of those things that are tricky to, to implement right mm. and i think they did a good job so if someone uses Darkroom and you got the your Leica Q2 
preset thing. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> get some of those. Let us know. Yeah, share it with us. DM us. Yeah. Although I do have my my own presets that I use for Darkroom that I'm Ooh. mostly happy about. Share. Yeah, I can share. I would love to get into that. I still, I know this is like something everyone wants, but when I see pictures taken with an iphone like from you or you know from like sebastian the with or whatever oh yeah well sebastian's on another level <laughs> <laughs> well you know from where i'm standing you're not that that far apart but like i just want please show me the picture you took and then all the editing steps until you <laughs> arrive at this destination. Mine is actually quite simple. I don't know. I just want to learn because I never learned this stuff. I never read anything. I just did it. Mm. Like how I edit photos. I'm not good at it. Mm. I struggle. Even like cropping. You know, just after years and years of doing it, I've picked up a couple tricks, a couple like, you know, things that I know work or not. But like still, I know I still have so much to learn and I... I yeah, it's the close the gap thing, right? In photography, oh man, that my gap is huge. <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> show title. No, not show title. No, I'd be more than happy to share, but I also don't have anything that's very fussy. Like I basically never crop anything, like any picture. You never crop anything? No, I almost never. Like I can count on like the one hand the amount of pictures that i've cropped on this trip and i've taken thousands of pictures whoa i crop all of the pictures yeah that's that's because your focal length is uh, <laughs> it's like always fixed but i know even with, with even the ones taken with my phone so like i get close sometimes just a little tweak but like i crop 100 percent of the photos interesting yeah i don't i just frame the picture how i like it in the when i shoot it and i just i just generally keep it well <laughs> yeah so that's that's like interesting right like i think different people do it do it differently and then i have a couple presets that that i use that i switch uh to like there's a couple things that you i find that you have to decide what you like so for example i like my blues to be a, a bit more on the teal side so i like push the blues on that mm. side i like the yellows to be more on the orange side. I would say like those are probably the two biggest things that I do. And then there's like a couple like contrasty things and grain and stuff like that that just automatically get added. But wow. yeah, so there's just like a couple of these things. You add grain to your photos? I do, yeah. <laughs> like only very slightly. Dang. Every time I try to do that because I think I like the look, I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I adding Yeah, I know. Noise. <laughs> I know, but like <laughs> yeah. A little bit of it is it can be nice. I get it. No, I get it. I, I dig the look. Es- especially on the iPhone if you're using portrait mode, it's like it just makes it feel a little bit more a little bit more natural. See, all this stuff I don't I don't really know. But it's it's what looks good to you. Maybe you're like, I don't like this. So then that's totally fine. See, but that's, I, I think it's really helpful and valuable that you already know what you like. Because I, like, there's certain pictures that I can look at them and I can tell you that I like this one hmm. or whatever. I don't like that one or I prefer this. But I don't have the know-how to really understand why. I don't know if it's my yellows are shifted to orange. <laughs> I don't really, I don't have that vocabulary still yeah so i don't know what about them my editing process is just i can move sliders in order that they sorted them in the ui <laughs> i go through slide like all the way to the left all the way to the right and then i just like stop when it feels right and then i keep going yeah. i mean maybe i'm 
I mean, it's not that dumb. Like I know basic stuff. <laughs> I know when to lower the highlights and, and bring up the shadows a little bit, stuff like that. But still, there's yeah. I think I think you're massively downplaying your <laughs> your skills here. <laughs> I don't um, know. But yeah, I mean, it's like look at the pictures you have, like they they you enjoy, and then you can kind of sort of derive the style. Like one person that I think has a very distinctive style, which is very different from mine, actually, is. Um, like I guess friend of the show, Aaron Van Katessen. <laughs> You've seen his website. <laughs> I'll send you his, this link. Um, and apologies if I totally butchered your name. Like ha- their style is very bright and very sort of, I would say kind of low contrast where like it's slightly desaturated a little bit. And so that's a look that's, very different from oh, yeah. from how I do it. But like you can kind of tell like oh yeah, like there's a style, right? Like you can see a bunch of pictures together. It's like right. clearly there's a vibe here. So yeah, I think it's it's all about looking at pictures that you enjoy and then tr- trying to determine like okay, like what is the style? Like what is it in common with all these pictures and then try to replicate it. Good tips. Yeah, we can share the this person's website in the show notes. Um so yeah, I'll keep everyone updated on the camera thing if you the listener have any recommendations for me basically what's a probably full frame camera that's the smallest possible that has um you know great lens that aren't huge <laughs> i would love that <laughs> so and yeah we'll we'll give an update so speaking of purchases so you told me don't look at instagram and don't look at twitter today so i'm expecting some sort of reveal and i think you've purchased something but before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. New sponsor alert. New sponsor alert. This episode of Layout is sponsored by Fable. Fable is a leading accessibility platform powered by people with disabilities. So they, they move organizations from worrying about compliance to building incredible and accessible user experiences for over 1 billion people with disabilities. So how do they do this? Well, two main ways. First, Fable Engage uh, connects product teams to people with disabilities remotely uh, or in person for accessibility, research, and testing. And second, Fable Upskill provides custom and tailored training for teams so that these teams can gain the knowledge and skills on how to effectively build inclusive products. All right, uh, sounds cool, Rafa, but uh, how do I know that they are the real deal? Well, First, they are listeners and sponsors of Layout. That that in itself should be enough. But also, there's a bunch of companies who are customers and love them. Uh, companies like Walmart. Uh, companies like Shopify. I don't know if... Uh, I think Kevin has heard of, of them. Uh, companies like Slack. Uh, Miro, who just recently acquired another previous sponsor of the show around. And uh, Asana. I could go on and on, but I, I won't. Because I, uh, I, I think I've think i proven my point. So, they, they all these companies already trust Fable to meet their accessibility testing and training and research needs and i bet your company would too i personally would have loved that companies where i worked in the past uh got in touch with fable because then i could actually learn from professionals on uh, as a designer how to how to how to up my accessibility game uh, and also i bet this would be great something great to go on my own portfolio my own resume right so if this sounds interesting, if you want to up your accessibility uh, design game, get in touch with them. Go to makeitfable 
com slash layout you can request a free assessment you can get in touch with them get in touch with your pm and your company and your team tell them hey we should we should get better at this probably uh so let, let's do let's go with fable let's try fable i've heard it on a on a cool podcast make it fable.com slash layout we're gonna put links in the show notes again you can go there uh, if you use that that url uh they'll know you you came uh you you've listened to this show and that that's that's nice Make it fable.com slash layout. Our huge thanks to Fable for sponsoring this show. And uh, yeah, let's get back to the show. So here it is a reveal. I got the Ultra Baby. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with, I forget the name of this band, the, the one that is very light. Uh, it's not Alpine, it's Trail Loop. Trail Loop, I think. Mm. Trail Loop. I got the Trail Loop in. I don't know if they call it black, but it's the black one with a little orange pull tab. Ah, I'm so jealous. Um, I got this because. <laughs> Are you going to try to convince me you got uh, you got this for your work? I need it for work, Kevin. Live. I I wasn't planning on getting one. Actually, when we talked, when when you know uh, over dinner, out of the two of us, you were like you threatened that you're gonna buy one you're like i said i said i was two apple store visits, visits away of getting one i visited an apple store once so you know yes and i was like well he's gonna get it and then i i'm being honest i did not plan or you know <laughs> suspected i was gonna get one but on the card ride to the airport my mom was driving i was in a in a passenger seat and there was like a little moment of quiet because finn was also napping and and I had, during that trip, I pretty much have fully realized, like, a whole new app update to one of my apps. Uh, and it's, like, something that is exciting. Ooh. And I mapped it out all in my head. <laughs> and part of that uh, is related to the Ultra. So then when I got here, I was like, well, maybe, 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 maybe it makes sense for me to get one. And then, uh, and then today, this morning, I went to the Apple store, uh, and I just was asking if they had any in stock, and they did. So I was like, well, you know what? Let's, it's a business expense. Uh, I need it for work. Let's do it. Uh, so I have it for, I don't know, just half a day. I got it doing lunch. I got this band for the only reason that... <laughs> it's the, the only band out of the three that the Ultra uh, ships with that doesn't have that little hook thing. So it's like uh, easy to, to remove. Yeah. Because both the Ocean... The Ocean has two hooks actually mm-hmm. two little things you have to like stab the the band with to, to keep it in place yeah, yeah, yeah uh and then the other one also has a single hook which is kind of tricky because it, it kind of like hooks around if that makes sense like so it's, it's kind of it's not easy to take off and put on because that's the whole point of the hook like that's the whole point of these bands it's like even if you're diving or whatever it's not gonna fall mm-hmm. yeah so as someone who still takes the watch on and off the wrist to charge or whatever i don't know like i I don't have a need for that and i suspected that would be just more annoying than helpful Hmm. Uh, so i got this one which is very simple to to remove it but it's it's similar to the sports loop really um but it's very comfy very soft and it's uh, very light apparently it's the lightest band they've ever shipped and i got this one in black because i really dig the the orange accent and it just felt right with the orange of the action button and the ultra in itself yeah i like that with that being said the way that like this little orange accent pull tab sits on your like on the inside of your wrist which means that like it's very bright and it's a thing that like just 
calls my attention. Like I, it's almost like I have a light on or a notification on or something. <laughs> just like moving my arms around my hands. I just, it's very distracting. So I don't know if I'll just, I don't know, learn to live with it and kind of ignore it. But so far, I, I don't know if I, if I love it. I think you'll get used to it. <laughs> I think so. This watch is fun, man. It's like the it's like the first time I'm seriously not serious. Well, I don't know if that's an overstatement, but it's been a while since I got excited about Apple Watch, like hardware, right? Yeah, it's new and fresh and has personality. So it's I, and I got excited. It's, there you go. Exactly. It had. We talked about it in the last episode, but like this feels like it's saying something. Like fashion wise, it's like it's it has you know. There's a statement here somewhere <laughs> uh, in a way that the, all the other models don't really um so it's it's cool it's it's really it's really cool now action button is good but now i really want third-party apps like have access to that button in a way that not during like not with the app open because that you can do mm. but like just from the watch face if you press the button you have a limited set of uh, functions for that for that button like system-wide so it's like you'll start a workout, place a waypoint, start a timer or something like that, turn on the flashlight, um, and you can run a shortcut. But that's it. Like so you me as an app developer, I cannot build a thing for you to, you know, hook it up to this button. Right. Which is uh, unfortunate. But uh I guess you could create a shortcut, export that, you know, like you know how like apps now can just pre-assemble shortcuts for you, could just like one tap install. And then I guess you could... Right. So you can't have a thing where it's like, hey, in the list of functions for this button, do this when you're not inside the app. That's right. I mean, there's a there's a limited list of functions mm. that you can set when you're setting the, the watch up and you can go to settings and hmm. and change that. And so the options you have for this button are start a workout, which I haven't tried. I don't know what happens, like which workout. The last one? I don't know. Stopwatch, waypoint, backtrack, dive, flashlight, or shortcut. Mm. So those are your options. I guess technically a shortcut could be, you know, could be anything, but not really. Like as, an, as a developer, I can't really hook into that. So right now I have mine to do this. Um, <laughs> but that's silly. The honking? <laughs> yeah. I also wished you could have assigned a button to different things depending on your like tied to your watch face so like i could have the silly watch face in where pressing the action button oh yeah yeah yeah. is a honk sound but like if i have the like utilitarian watch face maybe i wanted to start the flashlight or something right are you working on an update to thwip (laughs) by any chance (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) all of the sound effects this is uh, this is the, this is the stage that I'm at with this with this idea with this side project. It's it happens with every project where you have the idea and then you're like, can I do this? <laughs> and so it's just hacking, experimenting, project like sample projects, hacky code, just trying to make this work. So when I had the idea for hand mirror, like, can I do this? And so in the this was, can I have a popover on a menu bar? Not can I like, but can I I personally do it? <laughs> no, like, is it right. possible? Because those are different things. Like, can I do it? Yeah, yeah. Can I get a popover and then show the camera? And it's just like hacky code until, and then when that, like when you made that happen, like that work, then you're like, all right, I can do this. Like, and now I know I have a lot of work ahead to build an actual app around this idea. But 
after I'm over that hump, I know I can do it. Same with Thwip. Thwip was very simple. I knew we, it was possible, but like, can I do it? Can I play a sound effect in like, and can it be loud enough to be useful on the Apple Watch speakers? Can I do that? <laughs> and then you're just like in a day, just hacking some code. And then if, the moment I played that first sound effect, I'm like, all right, cool. I can do this. Let's build an app. Right. So right now I'm at that stage. I'm like, can I do this? Is it possible? And I'm still in it. <laughs> I, I'm trying a bunch of stuff, very hacky, like stuff that might get rejected by Apple. But like, can I make this idea happen, come true? And I don't know yet. I'm still trying. I'm going to give myself a couple more days until I guess I give up. <laughs> I can tell you maybe offline because uh, I could use some help and ideas. <laughs> so yeah, it's fun. The So to get back to the Ultra, the watch is fun uh the the bigger uh, screen size is like nice because it's a bigger screen and you can see more and it's cool but the os is clearly not optimized for this like designed for this yeah i've seen people say this it's awkward some of your while it's like where like like some buttons don't go full width for some reason huh. i don't know why and also some stuff was like kind of i think designed around the assumption that well the screen was round but also with the like last year's model in where it kind of bleeds over the edge of the screen, you know that, mm-hmm. the, the thing? It looks silly in this flat screen. Hmm. Some watch faces that are clearly meant designed to be like around the edge of the screen looks kind of silly. Um, and also actually interacting with the screen, it happened more than once in where I just kind of just scrape my finger like on the on the chamfered edges, <laughs> you know? I see. It's kind of rough and a bit sharp. Hmm. So it's not as, I don't know, pleasant to use i actually i don't know it's just different i guess and i haven't like slept with it so no sleep tracking i don't know if it's like too chunky and uncomfortable to sleep with right i'll tell it tomorrow but yeah that's the thing as a developer i'm trying to see if i can one take advantage of the incredibly loud speakers you know we have the siren mode thing i don't think i can and uh, the second uh, can i take advantage of those 2000 nits <laughs> or no asking for a friend no i don't think so uh i don't think so <laughs> can i try to play an hdr video on the watch what happens i don't know <laughs> i'll try we've talked about the watch before but the only thing that has changed or, or that now i'm certain of is the watch itself is not really worth an upgrade if you have like any modern apple watch but when you are doing upgrade, when you feel like, you know what, my watch is old and I want a new one, this is a compelling alternative, right? Like, it, even the price, which can put off some people, like, if you're someone who would consider getting a stainless steel model, then you're already in the same ballpark, yeah. like it's the same price. So I think uh, it's, it's cool. I'll keep using it. I haven't, like, tried any workout. I haven't tried, well, any anything, really. The GPS, I don't know if there's any difference or not. But yeah, do you have any any questions in particular or Bruno? Uh, I'm trying to think. Do you feel like it's too big? It's not too big. I feel like it's big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like the more you look at it, the more it looks. You're like, oh no, it's fine. <laughs> it's like when you put it on for the first time. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm curious. I think I'm gonna need to see a lot more pictures <laughs> with it on your wrist. Sure. <laughs> I feel like you haven't even really posted any. Uh, I took a picture of this. I took a picture of Debs wearing it. <laughs> uh, that must be funny. It's like the watch body is literally like 
you know, wider than her wrist. So yeah, looks... and I feel like I'm close to that territory, too. <laughs> I should send you some pictures that I've taken. I'm like, I don't know if I could pull it off. But I have this folder in my photos of just <laughs> pictures of the, the Apple Watch Ultra. And I go look at it every day and I'm like, should I get it? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> just get it. I mean, this is, I think if you look straight down to your wrist, if you don't see any wrist like above the watch and below, you know what I mean? If there's no like padding, yeah. It might be too big, but but I I don't know. Ooh, I'm looking at the picture you sent me. <laughs> right? That is uh that's a big watch. <laughs> like it's more my wrist is tiny next to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you can rock it. I mean, um, whatever. It's all about how you feel about it, but so I don't know. But then I saw the second picture is not me. I saw like someone else with it and I'm like, "Oh, if it looked like this, then I think that's that's a more like reasonable size." That is a different person, yes. Yeah. <laughs> also this one. I'm like when I look at that last one, I'm like, "Ah, it looks so good." but it probably wouldn't look like this on me. <laughs> so anyways, so I don't know. I need to go back to the Apple store and check it out. Uh, but that's great. You need to take pictures like further away. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. You know what? Like, um, this is just a little tidbit. I, I set up this watch as new, right? Because mm-hmm. I still want to keep the other one around, like my Series 6 around. You know, I might use it even if it's just for development, whatever. And so so I set up as new, so I was, you know, started with all the defaults. Here's a couple of defaults that I always change, and I apparently I just realized that I don't like. First of all, I hate that it installs all the apps like that I have installed on my phone automatically on the watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Uh, I still can't with the, like, grid mode view thing, you know, honeycomb UI. Oh. I can never find anything. Okay, I disagree on that one. Yeah, I know you do. I just, I can never find anything. Even if I place them all individually, like there's even some icons that I just don't know what that app is. <laughs> and then it doesn't help that like some apps like on iPhone, on iOS, you have the clock app that didn't have timers, stopwatch, alarms. On the Apple Watch, it's all different apps. So even then, it's like, and they all are orange, but just the little glyph is different. I, anyway, mm-hmm. I can never find stuff. That's, that's what, I'm, what I'm saying. The downside of the list view, which is, in my opinion, the superior view. A lot of scrolling. A lot of scrolling. And like, if you want to go to settings, you always have to scroll like all the way down, right? Mm-hmm. So the way... I think is the superior way is actually you can pin apps to the app switcher thing. And so I just pin like the, what, three, four apps that I use on my watch and that's it. I don't really use any more apps. I see. So like timers is always there. The one third party app that I use is called Ratio. I use all the time to like measure coffee and stuff. Mm. That's there. Uh, The home app is there. Let's see. Actually, I don't have it on this phone yet. So anyway, like whatever, whatever apps that I use all the time they're there and then so that's my app switcher it's instead of pressing the crown i press the other button um so anyway so that's one so i just have to go to the watch app and like uninstall every single app and then the other one is i think it looks way better if you turn on the bold text like system-wide thing oh yeah i noticed this i wanted to talk to you about this (laughs) i think it looks so much better (laughs) well here's another thing we disagree on (laughs) Maybe it's my old age. I don't know. I'm like bold text all the way, baby. Like it just looks better. <laughs> Seriously. It's the equivalent of like rounding the corners in every square, every rectangle on the UI just makes it look more approachable and stuff. Like, yeah, it looks better <laughs> in my opinion. 
Well, do you want to talk about it? Do I need an intervention? If it looks better to you, then that's fine. But <laughs> just know that it's because already things that are bold on the watch, and so I'm guessing they're like even bolder now. Yeah, they're bolder, uh, baby. No, yeah, it's hard pass. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do this for you. All right, just because you're that important to me. I'm gonna go back to settings. Scroll, 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 scroll. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go back to the settings, and I'm going to turn um, that setting back off. Which watch face do you use? Aha, now you're talking. Um, Does the watch have to reboot? No, thank God. <laughs> so I can I can try it. Oh, but also, you know what? You know what has to reboot when you turn on developer mode? Oh, yeah, yeah. And to be fair, the watch warns you, like, hey, it's going to reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was updating the OS to watchOS 9.1, whatever. The, the thing is coming out Monday. And you know how, like, you use the iOS app, right, to, to update software. And then you have, like, a long-ass progress bar saying, like, downloading, right? Yep. And then preparing, right? Mm-hmm. Which then gives you no progress. It's just, like, preparing. If you decide to reboot your watch when it's preparing, it has to download everything again, which was another, like, 20 minutes. Uh. So don't, don't do that. So which watch face? I, um... It's a bad time to ask me this because I haven't settled in one. I'm just trying stuff out. From this trip, I've learned that, like, hey, turns out I can read an analog watch face. (laughs) (laughs) There's some lag, but but I can read it. Takes me five minutes, but I can read it. (laughs) Well, not five minutes. (laughs) I just found that, like, some watch faces on this massive screen don't look as good Mm. in particular like this the photo one oh i see which is cute because like oh big screen you want to see photos of people but it looks too much like a computer Hmm. on your wrist if that makes sense interesting it's too much so as long as it doesn't ruin modular see i didn't even try the modular again because i I think i'm we need a break right from the modular it's been what years (laughs) like what five years i don't know so right now I'm rocking the uh, what's it called Wayfinder Pathfinder the the Apple Watch Ultra mm. one. Okay, it's dense. There's a lot, but it doesn't look terrible. Yeah, no, I think it looks great. I don't know that I would be able to tell the time on it, but <laughs> other than that, I think it looks. Great. I can tell the time. It's midnight. Uh, I also really like this. This I, I grew to love the the California one. Oh but yeah, but without yeah. the weird glyphs. So just the actual Roman numerals. I like how just it rounds up, rounds the corners. That one looks great. Yeah. Also, this one is kind of funky. You know, the, I don't know what they call it, the squishy numbers. Oh, yeah. I do like this one. And this is one of the the only ones where I can tell the time quickly (laughs) because I just look for what is the big number and it's like that time and then figure out, you know, (laughs) the minutes. So from an accessibility Uh standpoint, great. Thumbs up. The downside is the always off mode what's it called the off state yeah Uh of it doesn't have the big numbers and so you can't see anything (laughs) then i don't know what the time is when my my wrist is down that's true one thing that i've noticed with this watch and maybe this is just because it's new or whatever but because the screen is so massive any like clean minimal watch face looks out of place Mm. because like that's usually going for elegant stylish but when the whole case is like loud robust and like buttons uh, it doesn't look good in my opinion mm. and so with the other with the series six i was sometimes i would go for the clean minimal thing if i put like a leather band or something around or something on this one at least 
so far, it, I don't think it looks good. I kind of need the busyness. Mm. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> just makes it feel whole. That's fair. Deb said this when she saw me wearing one <laughs> for the first time. She, she came up with a good observation. She was like, this watch is what like we in the 90s thought like computer watches are going to look like. <laughs> That's fair. It's like a chunky, massive, like... Uh, you know, the Power Rangers Transformer thing. I forget the, the name of the thing. Like the Digimon, <laughs> you know, watch. It's like this chunky with a massive screen in orange buttons. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's spot on. Uh, that's fair. That is fair. All right. Nice. You should keep us updated on your uh, on your app progress. You know I will. And uh, yeah, I don't know. You need to send me a lot more pictures of you wearing this. <laughs> okay. I can tell you this about the side project thing. It's like, I think I only have a couple more days in me to see if I can make this work. If it doesn't work, I'll share it. Mm. You know, like, hey, this, this is what I was going for, but it's I, I can't do it. And if I can do it. So you're going to say it and then bleep it? No, also maybe I'll say it after. But but if I can make it work, then I'll definitely tease it because then like you know I'll tease that I'm working on this and I'll tweet it out. So you know, regardless, you're gonna hear about it soon. Maybe next week. Mm. Nice, excited. We are sponsored once again by Zeppelin, and you know what that means. We are joined by Josh. In the past few episodes, we went in depth on some of the key features of Zeppelin and just how they fit into making life easier for designers in the design to development process. But one of the things that we haven't talked about as much is the developer side. So I have a couple questions about that. You've mentioned in the previous episode that when it comes to design systems, it's a challenge for designers and developers to get on the same page. So could you remind our listeners of what those problems are? Well, developers don't often have easy access to the design system, especially if it's housed in a Figma file, and they don't have the means to put it to work for them. Now, developers need to comb through design screens for components and don't always know whether or not a component can be reused or if they have to build it from scratch. And at Zeppelin, we've heard this problem from many teams. So our solution is to make the components in a design file more accessible. Developers can look at a screen and instantly see all the components that are referenced, and they can drill down into the component and see all the other places where that component is used. And they can even connect these components to their code base or storybook. I love that Zeppelin is making it so much easier for developers to access design systems. I think that's something that's super important. But I know that there are also a lot of quality of life improvements for developers in Zeppelin, right? Exactly. And one of my favorite features is called Pop Out. Basically, you can pull up a semi-transparent window with your screen and overlay it on whatever you're building, so you can instantly catch small details to build pixel-perfect apps. Another great quality of life feature is that we've automatically optimized images for developers. So sure, there's a bunch of different third-party workflows a developer can put PNGs through to get an optimized version, but it's automatic in Zeppelin, and they don't even need to think about it. I love that. Anything that I don't have to think about is one less thing that I forget or do wrong. It's so cool that Zeppelin just does it. Uh, Look, many of our listeners are designers who don't code the product that they work on. So what would you say is the elevator pitch for them uh, to tell them about why developers need a specialized handoff tool like Zeppelin? 
Yeah, so unlike design tools, Zeppelin was built with developers in mind. And I think that sometimes designers lose sight of the fact that their developer colleagues have to dig through layers nested inside of more layers in Figma and asking developers to go into Figma and try to understand the interaction between hundreds of screens is just as complicated as asking a designer to go into a code base. Now, when teams use Zeppelin, not only do they save designers time, but the developer productivity also substantially increases. And of course, you ship a higher quality, more performant product. Be nice to your teammates and use Zeppelin. I think this is something that every designer should do. So our thanks to Zeppelin for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. Uh, Again, like I said, be nice to your teammates check them out. They're at zeppelin.io. And I want to say special thanks to Josh for joining us on the show and answering all of our questions. That's been super helpful. And even though I've used Zeppelin, I've learned a whole bunch. So thank you so much. This is we're running long. Let's just touch on this one topic because it was the design Twitter topic of the week or a couple weeks ago, actually the sketch layoffs. Sketch, the company posted on LinkedIn this announcement uh, from the uh, Peter and Emmanuel, the two co-founders, that they were laying off some people, uh, around 80 people, which I saw Gruber out of all people. Uh, I think it was like a, it's a fourth of the company. kind. Of? I, I actually don't know how much mm-hmm. it is, but it's still a lot of people. And it was mostly around marketing and uh, what operations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's not product. They made a point to say that like our product teams you know it's going to be mostly unaffected by it Mm -hmm. and also their justification was that they're doing this in order to like prepare for the uncertain future in the economy and so they did this not because it felt like it's not because they are i don't know desperate and like they need to cut costs in order to stay afloat it's more like we need to do this if we want to survive like the next five, 10 years. So we need to prepare for the future. Mm-hmm. That's the, the idea that I got. But um, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, first, you know, it's bad news when the post is on LinkedIn. <laughs> but uh, I mean, first thought is obviously to all the people that have been affected by these layoffs. I mean, we have lots of friends um, that are at Sketch uh, or were at Sketch and um I think it's just like these things always suck. Like it's not fun to be in that situation. I am like, I, I do think like, you know, a lot of these people that were laid off are incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it definitely sucks on the moment, but I like have a hundred percent faith that these people will find new opportunities and new things that may they may realize that they enjoy even more than the work they were doing at Sketch. Um, I do, I do want to like publicly offer here that at least on, from my end, like if there's anyone listening from Sketch that is in that situation who feels like they want a bit of help, um, like please let us know. Like, would be more than happy to like help you find something. Like, we have, you know, both of us have lots of. We know a lot of companies and like can hopefully like put people in touch if they need to. But again, my feeling is like these are incredibly talented people that probably already have tons and tons of offers <laughs> from other companies. And so I'm sure they'll they'll get back in no time. I did see some comments from folks online to be like, hey, like now's not the time to like try to like take your guesses about what's going on with this company at this time. Like we should just focus on the people. And I think that's the fair argument. And I think like 
especially on the day of, it's like a bit much to like go into theories and stuff like that, especially from someone who's totally outside of your company who knows nothing. However, let me do that. <laughs> uh, listen, <laughs> this is the show, right? Like we talk about design stuff. We're going to talk about these kinds of things. We care a lot about all the folks. Again, I want to reiterate that. It's not that we don't care about them, but I think it's worth, you know, exploring the question of what does this mean for Sketch as a company? And I think for me, a couple things come up. One is I think people are very quick to look at layoffs as like, here's the reason why things are bad. And for me, I don't quite look at it that way. Like, I actually think that layoffs are are an attempt at solving something, right? Like, they're an attempt at a solution. It's like, there's, it's okay. disconnected from the root cause of what's going wrong, right? So in this case, you can say that it's because of market. You can say that it's because of competition or whatever. But the layoffs are an attempt as the company to be like, hey, listen, we have this problem in front of us. What are we going to do about it? We're either going to stay status quo and hope for the best, or we're going to make some changes. And unfortunately, sometimes that means, you know, changing your priorities and having to shift focus from one place to another, or sometimes it means needing to cut costs so that you can invest in other places. And so I do, I know it's a bit of a, of a difficult sort of position to take because it's like unfortunate thing for all the people involved. But for Sketch as a company, I think it's good and healthy for them to recognize that, hey, listen, we're not in the situation that maybe we've been in in the past and we need to make some changes. Because I think there are real changes that need to be made, like with Sketch. There, and we've talked about this many times, and I, I think that has nothing to do with the with the layoffs or or like the Figma acquisition or anything. But Sketch gained a lot of users. They entered a world in which like Photoshop was dominant, and then they created something that was 10x better for a, an important segment of the market, and then they gained a ton of users because of that. The problem is then Figma entered and also leapfrogged them and created something that was 10x better with collaboration. Now what happened is Sketch reacted to that and then built in collaboration, which I believe they, they do have now. I haven't gotten a chance to use it myself, but they have it. Yep, it's like, okay, we have collaboration now. Like, Isn't that great? It's like, no, it's not. Because in order for you to get all these users back, you need to be 10x better than Figma you can't be 1x better than Figma. <laughs> you can't be 2x better than Figma. You need to find another thing that's 10x over Figma. And so that's, I think, from my perspective, the world that they're in, like a bit of the struggle, where it's like, I think it took them a while, but they did catch up to collaboration. Again, not saying that they have support every feature, like you know, Figma clearly has more features and they have some unique features too in Sketch. But what is the next big thing? They need to find something that's the next big leap in design tools. Otherwise, I have a hard time seeing how they can continue to be successful as sort of an independent company. And then I feel like the path might be some sort of acquisition at some point. 
Yeah, and the layoffs and specifically the areas of the company that it did affect kind of plays well with that strategy. Like if what Sketch needs to focus on and do is to double down on product and like come up with interesting product, you know, updates, ideas, maybe even a whole new product, right? But like if that's the thing they need, having all of these incredibly talented, I'm sure incredibly to work with probably expensive people in marketing and operations and stuff, it's not, maybe that's not where they're going to get the value from that they need right now. After they build a product, I'm sure they, they're going to need to invest in marketing again yeah. to then let people know about it. But like right now and probably for the next couple of years, it's not like they're coming up with something now, you know, soon. I'm sure this is, this is a long-term strategy for sure. Uh, this does make sense in that way. But it also important to notice here, just as we compare like with other companies, Sketch is and always has been a bootstrapped company, right? They, they did get some, some VC money at, at one point, but not really to, like, they didn't need it. And they, we had Peter on this show, uh, we can link uh, to to that interview with with him, mm-hmm. and they were pretty clear about that. Like we we took VC money not because we needed money in order to stay afloat, but more like we needed to invest in areas of the company where they did not have the expertise on, like finance, like legal, like all the things that come with being a medium sized big company. So so that's important to know, right? Like they're bootstrapped. It's they you know. It's not like they can go crazy with spending <laughs> with their costs, uh, with the hopes or plan of that they'll just raise more money in a year, right? That's not the type of game they're playing. So this is probably also related to this decision. Now, I know nothing about, like, I talk to people at Sketch, but I, we haven't spoken about this. I know nothing, right? Yeah, me either. <laughs> Any more information than anyone here, right? This is all speculation, but it does make some sense. And to your point, yeah, it, this is not necessarily a bad thing. This decision in itself could be long-term a good thing. So I know we kind of moved on from that, but I didn't have a chance to say. I cannot overstate like how incredibly talented these people, these teams are. It's something that I did bring up a couple episodes ago still. I think I mentioned their video resource thing. I mentioned their documentation and all. Like The quality in every part of that company, so not just the product, which we're kind of familiar with. We know know how good they are. But then keeping that same level of quality in every single other like product that they have like their their marketing side is incredible their brand is like so good even their swag their stickers is the it's so nice it's everything is so well done and and it's all you know mostly for all these people that eventually got laid off but like i just want if anyone one of them is listening i want y'all to know that damn you're good (laughs) you've done incredible work here i think i tweeted it's like it has inspired so many of us Uh, i know it has inspired me so it's a bummer but it's i'm sure you'll be fine if you are not confident that you'll be fine maybe you're struggling please reach out to help because uh you know to us directly to i'll be happy to retweet whatever just reach out to other people just so tweet at us if you're in a tough spot because um yeah so the other thing i mean i'm getting further and further into uh like theories land all right let's do it wanted to just like extend my thinking because i was like trying to think like how can sketch save itself like what's what's the path forward like what, what would that look like and i'm not a great design tool visionary <laughs> As I think you can probably tell uh, by uh, like all the episodes. Um, so 
I mean, like, I'm sure you could point out a bunch of features, you know, and that's one thing. But I was trying to think, like, what's the thing that would really feel like a game changer for an app like Sketch? And one of the things that came to mind, and maybe my mind's in, like, acquisition land these days, but what if (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sketch got acquired by Apple? And, like, Apple decided, you know what? Mm -hmm. We're going to get into the business of design tools. And we're going to have a sibling to Xcode that's going to be based on Sketch, but we're, we're going to invest into that and it's going to be part of our ecosystem for designers and developers. Like, I actually think there would be something really interesting there that, like, it could lead the way in many aspects of interaction design and serve as a new flagship app from Apple. It's like, it's probably a pipe dream. Like, it probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. But I just look at Apple creating an app like is it called freehand whatever the new like new ipad one whiteboarding app for ipad and mac os yeah but oh, true but i'm like and then i look at keynote and i look at pages and numbers and i'm like you know it's not crazy to think that an app like this could fit really well in apple's offerings and i also think of like okay say sketch were to go away that's actually a huge miss for apple as well of like something that a lot of people do in a native mac app not gonna be a native mac app anymore and it's gonna be this like service-based app that all of the folks have to use like i don't know i i just again it's probably wishful thinking on, on my part but i I thought that this could be an interesting like alternate reality thing where Apple just acquires it and they could give it something that really feels unique and really try to push the boundaries of design with it. I mean, hearing you say that makes me giddy. Like, oh, I'd love that. That would be so cool. I don't think it will happen or would happen. A lot of reasons. Like, actually, Apple is still a big sketch client like user right they, mm-hmm. they use sketch at apple they famously did like they don't use figma probably because of like just security reasons thing mm-hmm. which is also another thing that i thought about like the adobe figma acquisition thing might be an entryway for like because apple already uses adobe products so the security is there and adobe knows how to treat like big enterprise customers like that yeah so there might be a way an entry point for figma to finally like be used at apple but right now sketch is still used by a lot of people internally at apple but, okay, two main things. One, just Apple hasn't done anything like that in so long. Like, they're focused on developer, I mean, creative tooling, like, software. They're not really doing much there. It feels like they're moving away from that, right? Like, we're losing Apple, like, pro tools. Like, Final Cut has not ab- abandoned, but there's not a lot of care poured into it. RIP, uh, Aperture. But so, so that's a big one. But second, I don't think the culture... Like, Sketch is, like, remote company <laughs> and always have been since, like, since the beginning. They, they, I don't think they've ever had an office. Uh, they're totally remote. They're, like, European mm-hmm. first company or at least European heavy company. Right. And, like, if Apple were to acquire Sketch and the team, I don't see any of them, like, actually being willing to, like, relocate to Cupertino to work there, or at least only a small fraction. I would have to assume. So, culturally, I don't see that being, like, working out. (laughs) Uh, So, yep, that's a really good point. 
but I, you know, as a user, it was like, yeah, that would solve a lot of things. Like probably the biggest request that the sketch team gets, you know, asked is probably like Windows support or like just at least multi-platform support. There's like a big thing. Mm. If there were an Apple app, like no one would. (laughs) I mean, you could try to like knock at that door, but you wouldn't see anything like, no, Apple doesn't ship xcode for windows right like they're not interested in that at all Mm -hmm. so you you would get rid of that one big problem (laughs) that this probably have today it's not a real problem at least the way they see it i don't think but yeah it's it's fun to imagine but i don't see it happen yeah no i also also agree that probably won't happen for many any reasons i didn't think about the culture and just like remote work stuff but um Mm -hmm. i think that's a very valid point so, yeah, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of challenges ahead for Sketch. I really hope that they figure this out because I, I like the app. I mean, I still use it for some personal projects. Like, it's so nice to be able to do these things in a, in a native Mac app, but um, they've got to change things. Like, they can't keep the status quo. So, yeah, I wish them all the best. All right, let's do recommendations before we go. All right, I have two recommendations. The first one is a website. It's uh, marco.fyi. <laughs> it's a uh, great, great domain name. Yeah, great domain name. And this is just a portfolio website that I st- stumbled on randomly through Twitter. And it's just really cool and really well done. Uh, we have a link in the show notes, but uh, you can kind of like scroll through on their, their website and just... The attention to detail in their animations and their sound effects is pretty amazing. Mm. Um, one of my favorite thing is they have some screenshots or some what look like screenshots of iPhone apps, but you can actually interact with them. Like they're actually a live prototype that you can play with on the website. It's just really really cool, and I haven't seen many people bring these ideas. There's tons and tons of neat little details. They have a photos tile where you can see a bunch of pictures that they've taken. Um, There's like a Twitter thing. Like it's just really interesting and it's really well done. So yeah, highly recommend just checking it out. I think it's, it's good inspiration for a totally different take on a portfolio. My second recommendation is this band called Sure Sure. that we've just randomly discovered uh, and I've been listening to a lot uh, and they're really great. I really love their music. So if you want to check it out, go check out their, their, like a couple of their albums are, are pretty good. So yeah, those are my recommendations. What would you say they sound like? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's very chill. It's very, very chill music. Okay. All right. See, that's good. That helps. <laughs> my recommendation is an app from a developer that I've recommended before and i think i've recommended like all of their apps this developer i'm gonna mispronounce her name uh martin lexo i think they're german <laughs> anyway they're a indie mac developer and they've released a new app it's called super layer and do you remember widgets for mac like mac os where you would like swipe to the left and you would see your widgets screen yes right i think this app is probably inspired by that it's bringing widgets back (laughs) it's like all their apps pretty impressive execution the little details the animation curves very little like interaction it's it's so well done but what this is is it's an editor so you can create your own widgets and then you can place them on top of your mac 
at like anywhere. Uh, so it would be like overlaid, like, you know, absolute positioned <laughs> windows on your Mac. And even the little detail, like how they handle, like, what if you need to click on a thing, you know, behind the widget? Like there's a window behind it. Mm. So it has like these hover states. They can like kind of move out of the way while you hover if you want. It's just very interesting. I, I, I want to play more with it, but just their, the execution, the little details, design details of this app is so cool. It's free to download. Go go check it out. It's, it's cool. It's uh, really impressive and inspiring as always. And I know they're, they're working on a lot more widgets, especially with Venture release, like the weather kit and stuff like that. Mm. So um, yeah, that's it. That is super cool. I sometimes feel like, you know, I look at some apps and I'm like, yeah, I could totally make this. I could never make this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I could never make an app like this. Uh, so this is great. This is very impressive. And I have found myself wanting that, like, you know, it'd be neat to have this, the calendar widget, mm. like always just on my desktop. Why do I have to open the little, like, side panel thing on mac os hmm. like i never check things that are in there i just want to have it on my desktop all the time it'd be nice same so yeah maybe i'll I'll give this a try cool all right that's it for the show follow us on twitter we are at layout fm i'm at rafa hari and kevin is at vernal kick our website is layout.fm you have the links for all the stuff we mentioned that's what we keep calling the show notes that's what that is uh, go to our website uh check it out and um, our huge thanks to our two sponsors uh, this week, Fable and Zeppelin. And uh, we'll talk to you on the next. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.